It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, you're back with the Roker Report Extra Podcast. I'm meeting you a little bit early this time. I'm actually recording this on a Monday, so I'm still sort of getting my breath back from that game on Saturday. I, I don't know what it was really. I mean, essentially, I've never been so angry with the team after 45 minutes. I think ashamed, embarrassed. I could understand people walking out. I was absolutely beside myself with how poor it was. And then 45 minutes later, I'm scratching my head thinking that this football team surely, surely, wants me dead I think uh, I'm not really sure how you describe that I, I don't know what I, I can explain from Saturday it was enjoyable though I actually did enjoy myself it was funny at the very least but we've got Brentford coming up this Saturday and obviously I've got my guest as always we've got Billy from Bee Sorted as in the bees from a very successful Brentford podcast how you doing mate are you all right I'm pretty good actually not too bad I've recovered from the weekend I've recovered from the week the weekend we had Preston North End down which we'll probably talk about in a little bit and we've got a um, we've got a relationship with Preston as we say I know Sunderland have only been down there for one season so you're still probably finding your feet around this division but we've been here a few years now and um, we don't like going to uh, we like going to particular games we like actually sort of non-glamorous games because what we find is that when you go to non-glamorous games you get a really good relationship with the fans and Preston is like one of the games where when the fixture comes up in the calendar we just book our trains immediately and they do exactly the same thing and on Saturday basically they came down they were invited to our pub we saw them at a table everything like that they all booked hotels and there's about I don't know must have been about 30 of them came down on Saturday had a great time booked their hotel and we took them out and uh, I found myself psyched home at two o'clock in the morning after a very long session with the with the with the, with the Preston North End lads and lasses, the gentry <laughs> as it was. It was very cold. Um, I was rather drunken, as they can say, but I was good enough to actually get myself home on the back of my bicycle um, on Saturday. So that was that was quite good. And before that, on the, on Wednesday, we actually flew out to Dundalk, Dun, oh, I said Dundalk in Ireland, as you do. So uh, myself and, and Dave Lane, who uh, we co-run Besotted. Uh, the Brentford blog and podcast. We just flew out there to see our Brentford B team, which we'll probably talk about a little bit, which is uh, basically the second team. <laughs> and we thought, tell you something, they're playing in Ireland and let's just go over there and see them. So we went out to Ireland, to Dundalk for a night and we had the best time that we've ever had. It was absolutely fantastic. And our podcast is up there. If you want to listen to it as well, it's just brilliant. Even if you're not a Brentford fan, listen to it. But it's such a laugh. We just basically podcasted the whole day and evening and, and the lock in till three o'clock in the morning or four in the morning, whatever we had then. But anyway, that's been my week. So now... <laughs> As you can see, I'm just coming back into this week a little bit more relaxed, even though I've got a glass of wine here. <laughs> coming back into the real world for a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's right. Good. That's dedication, the B team. 
It's in Brentford's yeah. big team, I imagine. Not like a, as in yeah. Dundalk, or not like a, a second team or anything like that. No, no, no. It's, it was actually Dundalk's first team. And if a lot of people don't know about Dundalk, basically Dundalk are one of the sort of the top sides in in Irish football. You sort of think, ah, oh, yeah, a load of rubbish. But the fact is that they're in the Europa League this this is this season and uh, they've just got some new owners so they've got some money in there so they're actually trying to get into the champions league and obviously their owners see it as a, a cheap way of getting european football and they say if we get into the champions league this season then it's going to you know we'll get 40 million or 200 million i can't remember what the figure is but it's big big money for them so uh, i was very very surprised because we thought our b team we went there with a couple of drinks and there's probably only about a thousand fifteen hundred fans at the game but the game was like an fa cup like it was like a proper it was like it was like newcastle sunderland game <laughs> yeah it really was it was just like full tempo really fast calls flying in our b team plays really really good football it's like this passing game it's like from the bottom to the top you know it's you know the, the style of football has been passed through so they're playing dundalk's first team but they weren't messing around. For them, this is really important. And we were like, we were like, we were asking them, why are you guys like, you're so serious, you really want to win? But they were flying in and, and it was brilliant. And the crowd was going completely mental as well. And the second half, they took it up a gear. And when they scored, the fans were pointing at us and chanting and all sorts of stuff. And we were thinking, this is our B team. Like, we just come here for a bit of a laugh. But it was, it was, it was really, 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 <laughs> really good night. I tell you, it was brilliant. You mentioned your result beforehand as well, the, the Preston game. I noticed that I've got a few friends who are Preston fans. One of my best pals is married to a girl from Preston who's, a, 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 I believe, a season ticket holder. And I noticed that on, on Saturday that you drew 1-1 at home, but Preston were down to 10 men. Talk me through Saturday's game. What, what happened on Saturday? <laughs> um, Saturday didn't quite go according to plan in the Brentford uh, scheme of things. Um, Preston, um, we knew they'd be a tricky side because obviously they're doing pretty well. People underestimate them quite similar to what sometimes people do with us as well, but someone underestimates them. So we thought we're not going to underestimate them. They, um, they got, they got, a, let's say fairly early goal. They got a goal in the first half, which we're still trying, I haven't watched it back yet as well, but we're still trying to work out how they scored it. They kind of sort of put a cross into the middle, which I think was meant to be sort of a kind of a sort of cross that was going nowhere. And a, a guy managed to get a header. He, he kind of glanced into the goal and he got there. But then uh, after that, they, um, they played a quite a physical game. To, 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 to hold us back, which is, you know, which worked for them. It's annoying for us because we play one particular style of football. We like playing the ball around and pretty football and all that kind of stuff. So he thought, you know, the way that we're going to get them, Alex Neil, their manager, he just said, just stop them, stop whichever way you need to, just stop them, just stop them. So they did. And um, one of our podcast posse, the liberal Nick, who normally gets everything wrong, but to be fair, he actually got this one right. And he said in about 15 minutes, he goes, someone's going to get sent off today before. Nah, don't be, don't be, don't nonsense. You know, referees don't do that. And uh, it was true. The player got sent off for a, a second yellow. And a bit of a clumsy tackle, the second one. If you speak to the Preston fans, we do a post-match podcast, which we'll be doing after the Sunderland game. What we do is that we get the microphone, or the phone, out and just stick it under loads of phones, um, fans' noses after the game. Um, and we just talk to them straight after the game. So it's that, that post-match passion, you know, oh, no, the referee's yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah. So we do that and we speak to both home and away fans. So we did that after the game. We spoke to Brentford fans and Preston fans after the game, um, about 30 minutes of this podcast. It was great, great, great podcast, actually. It was quite good. And afterwards, we put it up, and it's live about 7.30 at night. Like I said, we'll do the same thing after the Sunderland game on Saturday. So if you check it out, you should do. And all the Sunderland fans were moaning, saying that, oh, apparently our 
keeper, which we didn't see. He feigned injury. Somebody sort of kind of tackled, you know, went into him and he went down and the player got a yellow card off the back of it and they said it wasn't true. So the same player as the one that got actually tackled again or tackled, went for a tackle again and got the red card. And they said if it, it was our goalkeeper's fault that he went down. And we got quite a good relationship with them and they don't sort of kind of, they're not real moaning. I mean, we we always beat them at Griffin Park, to be quite honest with you. So, you know, when they come down, they said, ah, oh, oh, it's coming. we're coming down for our annual thrashing, like, you know, and it didn't quite happen like that. So, um, you know, I think that maybe what they said, maybe there might be a little bit of truth in it. But to be fair, they were also time wasting from about the seventh minute or the tenth minute as well. And they were going properly hard in with a lot of quite not good tackles. So it was one of those ones where at the end of the day, probably a draw was the fairest result, even though in the second half we did have a mini Alamo and we could have scored, but we, we, we just got a little bit of an issue because we're still trying to solve our goal scoring issues at the moment now. We um, sold Lasse Vibe, as probably know, who's uh, sort yeah. of our top striker, and we sold him to China um, a few days ago. Um, it's a deal that's actually been going on for quite a long time. We found out about it as besotted in the summer. When I went out to Shanghai and we spoke to our Chinese sources out there and they told us that this was happening, this club called Changchun Yatai was after him. Um, the news wasn't anywhere else. It was just us that was just pushing this information. But I don't think people believed us. So, yeah, we, we podcasted it. We wrote about it. We said, you know, he's going to do this deal. It fell through at the last minute in the summer because he um, they missed the transfer deadline. The Chinese transfer deadline is actually on the 15th of July, I think it was, which is about a month and a half before hours. So it didn't go through. Um, for him, he wanted to just basically say, Look, I'm 30 years old. I just want some big money now. Um, so I'm going to go to China. And he also had rejected China twice beforehand. He rejected China to actually join Brentford before us. And before that, he actually rejected China before. So I think he probably thought, Jesus, third, third time, you know, lucky. Uh, I'm not going to get another chance like that. So he decided to go for it. And uh, it didn't happen then. But the Chinese came back in in this in this this window and they signed him up. And he was, uh, you know, he went and it's, they're, they're actually the same team. They signed, um, it was Igalo, who used to play for Watford. Oh, they yeah. signed him up. They, they signed him for 20 million about a year ago today. And uh, I just think that they just saw the opportunity to sign a player who's a renowned goal scorer. You know, I mean, they don't they don't have the same kind of rules as what do you do. They, they, you know, they just need to get yeah. bums on seats over there and win things and spend a lot of money. So they're quite happy to pay him probably like 50 grand a week and, you know, give us two two million pounds for a, a player who's out of contract in three months time. You know, so, so they did that and he's gone. But, you know... All, what that means for Brentford is that we need to have a player that's going to step up. And we're still juggling with that at the moment now because we've got Neil Malpay, who we signed in the summer, who is a proper little hard worker player. I think he's, I think he might have even scored against you. I'm not sure. I'll have to check the facts. But um, he does miss a lot of chances and he's still trying to find his feet in English football. Um, a lot of Brentford fans are giving him a lot of stick, to be fair. And I think it's probably a little bit unjust because... When Asse Vibe came and we came to the side, if you check him out, he joined Brentford in, what's it, June or July. He didn't actually start scoring till April the 2nd, which was like nearly nine months down the line as he acclimatised to the, to, to, to the league. So and I think that's what happens with Brentford. We buy players who are rough duels and then we kind of get them into, we get them up and get them up and running. And then when they're up and running, then they start scoring and then somebody buys them. That's, that's how it normally goes, which is quite frustrating to be quite honest with you. But um, so that's the score. So, so Malpay is 
Juan Watkins who plays on the wing, um, but then he sometimes comes into the middle. So, you know, maybe it might be him. We've got this new kid called Emiliano Marcondes, who we got from Denmark and we bought him in the summer, but we left him over there for four months and he became the top goal scorer in Denmark. Um, as you do, you go, he's like above all the players. So we've got these players there, which may be the one, but Lasse Vibe obviously was the kingpin and we're yeah. kind of struggling you know, not at the moment, just to just to, to get somebody to take his place, which is a which is a bit frustrating. So I think that Preston benefited from that and also benefited the fact we had about three or four players out. You know, Ryan Woods, who you probably know about, he played very well against you. Um the ginger um ginger Messi as they call him. Um <laughs> so yeah, he played very good against you in the three all game down at Griffin Park. He was out, you know, we had um Barbe who wasn't playing as our left back, he wasn't playing as well. We had, you know, we had quite a few and on all oh yeah, Chris Meppham, who's our central defender who is um, he's only a young kid, only 20 years old. He only just came into the side, ironically, out of the B team. I saw him play a year ago against QPR. B, you know, QPR under 23s played our B team and Chris Meppham was there. I think he might be the captain then, exactly a year ago. And then at the beginning of the season, he wasn't even playing first screen games. I think he played for, um, he played against, I think he might have played against Dulwich Hamlet in the pre-season, but again, for the B team. He, but the B team actually puts players through so they give them the path through to the A team because our academy never did that and he managed to get a place in the side they said they put him in against Norwich just before Christmas because Egan who's our um, player who used to play for you actually he was injured and he hasn't looked back since and he's only played a dozen games and Eddie Cowell came down and offered us eight million pounds for him in this window which was pretty amazing considering he literally has come out the B team and he's only played a dozen games. You're talking about Ryan Woods. Uh, Ryan Woods was someone we were quite heavily linked to when Grayson was here, but I think um, he, he's probably like one of your, if not your best player, one of the best players. Um, I watched him quite closely because of that link, because I thought we might have went in in January, because obviously when we played against you, you had Grayson there, but he looked like the kind of player that in today's day and age, you could quite easily ask eight, nine million pounds for. He does just the basics very well, but I think sometimes you need to play like that. How important is he to Brentford? Ryan Woods is really important. And, and like I said, I'm not going to put the team down or what down. I think, but the frustrating thing is that we're, we're, we're like a smaller version of like, you've got these other bigger teams, like, you know, Arsenal will have a very important player, but then afterwards, if somebody comes in and offers them 35 million for him, they'll sell him. So every player has got a price to a certain extent of certain teams. Sure. And Ryan Woods is very important to us as well, but also he's got a price. Interestingly, when Sunderland were in for him, both in the summer, we're not, not in for him, the rumours are in for him. You know, you don't know where those rumours have come from, you know, in the summer and you talked about now. And yeah. uh, obviously, Besotted, we, we, you know, we put our little nose around, we find out, you know, what exactly is the score. And the, 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 the word that we heard is that I'm not sure if Sunderland would be able to afford him. And that, the thing is that, you know, you know, you said eight or nine million pounds. Uh, we've got Chris Meppham, who's, you know, who's a, a young 20-year-old who's played 12 games. And he, we, we turned down a bid for eight million for him. And that, that, is a, that is a cat. So the fact is that, you know, Eddie Howe or whoever else will probably come in in the summer and offer more money than that. And, you know, we'll probably end up selling him for whatever it is. Frustrating it is, but what I'm trying to say to you is that Ryan Woods is worth a lot more than that, I would expect. He's a very important to Brentford, but if somebody offered us 15 million for him or 16 million for him, I'm sure they would take the money. But then what we always end up doing is that, you know, we get frustrated because we love the players, but then we end up reinvesting, spending three million pounds and then or two million or one and a half. And then getting a player who's equally as good. And we did exactly the same thing last summer with Scott Hogan. 
Scott Hogan had played, I think, about 20 games for Brentford. He'd been injured. He had two seriously injured. He, he, he signed up for £750,000 from Rochdale. Yeah. He got injured on his, his debut. I but rather remember seeing it. It was like, oh, geez, right there. He came in and then he got injured straight away. And then he was out for two years. And then he came back. And I remember we just kept on playing him. He came off the bench and he'd play like 10 minutes and he'd score a goal. Then so he'd come off for 10 minutes, score another goal. 10 minutes, score a goal. And I think he, he probably scored about seven goals, but he played in total it's a football and then the following <laughs> season he'd, he he just carried on where he was going and so September, October, November, December he scored goals again and he, he was like a leading goal scorer for 14 goals with half a season Aston Villa bought him for 712 no, million pounds it was ridiculous yeah. you know and people were like mm, but you know the, the feeling was Scott Hogan's cool but the problem is that our game revolved so much around him everything had to go through him and we found that when Scott Hogan left, all the other players sort of started to come into their own and people sort of started stepping into their game and started stepping up their game. So it was actually, it was better for the team. So uh, it was great because when Scott Hogan was on form, the team was on form, but when he wasn't on form, then no one was on form. It's one of those ones. So, you know, this is not a disrespect to Scott Hogan. And he went to Aston Villa and they had no idea. It's almost like they hadn't read the Scott Hogan manual. So we were going, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got a decent striker there. Anyway. <laughs> you know, that's right. And we, um, after, you know, every week there, there was tweeting going, waste of money, biggest waste of money we've ever had. And we were just like, what are you talking about? He's a really good player, but you actually, you know, you obviously didn't know what to do with him when you bought him, you know. So for the whole year, they didn't know what to do with him. But all of a sudden, oh, he started to actually score goals because they, pro- they read, the, they, they probably went inside the cupboard and they thought, ah, there's the Scott Hogan manual that we that we that that came that we forgot to read, but now we've read it, we know exactly what now to do with it. Works. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is and which is all good. So that's that's you know that's that's kind of what happens with us. So we're not saying it's not going to work all the time, but in general, so far, Andre Gray, when we you know we sold him for nine million after buying him for five hundred thousand, you know, a year later, and. Um, Lasse Vibe came in and he started scoring and then, you know, Scott Hogan came in, you know, and it just it just seems to work for us. It, it may go horribly wrong at some stage, but the odds are the percentages have been working in our favour so far. But the problem that we have, and, you know, you might talk about this later, is that we've got this system which uh, revolves around sort of kind of, we scout our players traditionally, but we also scout our players using, um, you know, mathematical statistics which is um, a system that's come out from our, from our owner because he owns a company that's made lots of money from basically finding out information from sports players all around the world. So he basically knows loads of stuff about loads of sports players all around the world. And he just went, tell you something, why don't I own a football club and then get this information so that we can find players that no one's got any idea anything about because the algorithm that I've got actually gives me different information than these other clubs like Nottingham Forest or, you know, or, or, or Aston Villa or anything like that, because this is my business. This is what I do. So that's why we kind of end up finding these players that you'll go, I've never heard of them. And then six months later. Is that the, um, I I wrote an article on this about in the summer when when we had, and we still don't have any money. And I remember, I could be completely wrong here, but the Moneyball situation, signing players on statistical analysis, I, I want to say that your chairman is, was part of that kind of school of thought, wasn't he? He was. I mean, if you if you speak to him, he hates the word Moneyball because I think it's very <laughs> lazy. You know, they made wow. a movie out of it and it's what they do in baseball. Um, yeah. But if, if that makes people understand it a little bit, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what it is, is that, you know, in effect, what, it, it's, pro- it's actually probably quite simple. But because football is a, a game which is done in a particular way, people 
err against it or they have been erring against it for a long time but now people are slightly warming to it and basically what he's saying is that listen is here you know as to who we're going to buy for do like and go and buy players like pounds but we can't do that because we cannot afford to do that so let them go off and do that um and let them go and find these players who two year two years before that were a million pounds and buy for 12 million however what we a small club we get 10 million pound turnover every year we we, 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 you know, we get a hardcore of six and a half, seven thousand fans. We've got at the moment no sponsorship really coming in, no hospital coming in. Right in what our income is, and it's our owner that actually puts the money in. He says, What we need to do is find players that are a bit left field that people don't really know about the play. They've got these little factors in there, right? These little, these little qualities, by as being qualities which we feel with our coaching system we can improve so at the end of the day they're not like so for example the best striker in the world but what they've done is that in the 100 games or the 80 games that they've played they've got these little spikes in the statistics that we use in which we're not going to tell you about because this is what we do but this is what we are this is how we identify them and these we think these things are looking really good and what we do is that we feel that if we bring them in, we can improve them to make them a better player. And that's now only coming back to people like <clears throat> Malpe. Obviously, they looked at his game <clears throat> and probably thought, you know, he's, you know, he's fast or he's not fast or he's really good here or he's really good at running onto the ball and picking up things in areas. He has lots of shots, blah, 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 you know, in certain heat spots and everything like that, which is actually much better than... You know, this striker in, from Man United who scores lots of goals, but he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So he works on that. So if we can work on these particular elements of his game, he'll be a very good striker. So that's kind of how they, how they, how they work with it. And, uh, and, and in general, it seems to work out. So we get these players in and they're all right. The next minute, they just seem to step up two or three, two or three levels. Some of them, they don't work out. But that's the game that you're in because when you're gambling with people who are rough diamonds – that rough diamond may polish up to be a properly expensive diamond, or you might polish it up and it's like a cubic zirconia. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny listening to you talk about recruitment because the one thing that, and uh, you might be able to see this from the outside, I don't think it's any secret, but, but Sunderland's problem for a number of years has been recruitment. And I think one thing I find quite interesting about Brentford is obviously you haven't churned through managers the way that we have, but you know, you have had different managers over the last few years. And the one thing I've noticed with, with Brentford, very similar to, to Swansea, no matter who the manager is, you have that plan in place for recruitment and you also have the plan in place for how you play football. It's a, it's a passing game. Sunderland have a different change, a different style with every manager, a different recruitment with every manager. And that eventually is, has come to the head of we're sitting second, third bottom of the championship. Yeah. Um but the style of play with Brentford, you, you, you know what you're going to get. And it's been like that since the, the Uwe Rossler days. Yeah. How much do you think that helps a manager coming in when he's probably appointed based on the fact that he can work with that system you've just described, but he can also work um, you know, with a possession-based side? It is absolutely massive. Um, so we've got to give props to the owner, Matthew Benham. Right. And this is not sort of blowing smoke up his ass or anything like that, as people say. It's not. It's just like you look at it and it's just like 
businessman, person who knows where he's going. You know, he's going. He's a he's a Brentford fan. He's supported them for over forty years. He's been to you know he, he used to bunk off school to go and see them play. He decided to put money into them, but he also works into the city and you know do all this other business stuff. So he's kind of got a very well. He's not kind of. He's got a business mind. He's set up this company which basically makes lots of money off um, you know statistical data and, and actually using it to to put into the gambling community as it us so people make money a lot of it. So he knows what he's doing and he sat down and he said, okay, tell you what, I need to I want to I want to own a club which A plays a particular style of football. It's going to be a passing game and this is what we're going to do. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get rid of Andy Scott, who was the manager at the time, who um, w- wasn't playing the game. First of all, he tried, to, he tried to work with him, but it just wasn't really working out. And then he got in the manager and he got in Uwe Rosler. So he got in Uwe Rosler and Uwe Rosler was the first person I remember who started to change the style of football that we played. And it was it was quite funny as a fan because if, I've been supporting um, uh, Brentford for 40 odd years, you know, and pretty much of those pretty much all those 40 years have been in the pretty much is the third division as it is the third tier and um, we went down to the fourth tier a couple of years and we went up to the tier we were in now it's the second tier for one year but we'd be playing teams like you know say Rochdale and you know and Southend and Oxford and all those teams that's basically who we play year in and Gillingham just year in and year out and that's what we're used to and you know that's part of that's part of our DNA you know, we're a proper, proper lower league team. And then he comes in, Uwe Rosler comes in, and then he starts to play the ball on the floor. And he's got this passing out from the back business and everything like that. And of course, the players are going on and they're trying to pass the ball out from the back and then the cross. And you can see it's all going on every wrong. And then the fans are going, Oi, just get the ball out there. Just stick it out there. I'm hooped out. And it's hilarious, like, you know, because we couldn't get our heads around it to start off with um, but they stuck with it after time and eventually we kind of got there and then I remember a year and a half later we were you know everyone's going oh it's just the best football I've ever seen in my life it's brilliant isn't it like you know and even Rosler did a, a fans forum and I think we want to pass them to death that's what we want to do like you know so we had this <laughs> proud, we were so proud that we were actually kind of changed our style of football so but that had come from the top from the owner and he was basically saying, this is what we're going to do. And then what we need to do is that we need to find the tools to do it. So we need to find the manager that believes in that. So you had Uwe Rosler, you had Mark Warburton, who was at the time, he was a, he became, he was a coach. You sort of kind of brought him in on some sort of coaching role. I think then he ended up becoming the director. Um, the, so he's the one that found all the players, but Mark Warburton was very much believing in the passing style and him and the, and the owner used to talk to each other. A lot, uh, you know, don't talk to a level of a lot, and they talk about Uva, and they said, you know, we should be doing this, Uva, we should be doing that. That was basically where it was, and the ethos was kind of built built into the club from the bottom up. And then they started to buy the players that they felt that could do it because some of the players that Uva had inherited, they were cool, but they they just weren't good enough to play that football. They might have been good enough to say play for you know Gillingham or Southend or you know maybe Barnsley or Millwall, and this is no disrespect for these teams. People play different styles of football, so it's great for that. But for us, what we're doing, so you bring in the players and eventually you start noticing the change in the club. The players are changing, the the style of football is changing. So to answer your question, yes, that is right. It's gone all the way through. But what is very interesting is that when Uwe Rosler jumped ship to go to Wigan, um, prematurely, I believe, because I think that he should, if he stayed with Brentford, we would have gone up and he would have actually got a trophy under his belt or he would have got a he would have got a credit under his belt that he'd actually got a team promoted but he he went very early he wanted to move up to Manchester it was also a big call because Wigan was seen as a big club then at the time um I, you know question that I've got a lot of Wigan friends but I, mean, I just thought <laughs> they hold on a second mate you know yeah. so it's a shame but um Mark Warburton was actually 
at the time, and everyone knows who he is now, but at the time he literally was a uh, director of football who, who his background was a, a youth team coach at Watford. And the owner really liked his ethos. So he gave him a job at Brentford and said, look, you know, come here, you can be the director of football here. You know, he actually gave him a, pre- there's a previous job that he had that he actually was, uh, he was like the, he was the, uh, you know, like when you get sort of kind of not puppet, but you get, uh, oh, what's the word? You get, you know, you get sh- like in the music industry, you get shadow writers. So you get somebody yeah, who sort of says, oh, I've written this, but really there's a shadow writer. Somebody's actually written the song for them, really. He was like basically the shadow writer for when we got to the Leyland Daff final. Nicky Forster was the manager, but really the person behind the scenes was Mark Warburton, who didn't have the experience, but he was actually sort of apparently dictating the, the tactics and the players and everything like that. And Nicky Forster, who used to play for us, was the front person. So that was his first little delve into management. It didn't work particularly well. We lost that final and, you know, we won a lost game. So when it came to Uwe Rosler, Uwe Rosler got the gig. But then when he, when he, when, when Uwe Rosler jumped ship, um, Mark Warburton was meant to be um, the director of football and he had a big list apparently of about 27 managers that were vying for the next job and I could imagine people I mean he wouldn't tell us who was on there but in, you know I can sure imagine there's people like um, Neil Warnock was on there and you know probably um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and you know all, you know probably Steve Bruce and you know all these big heavy heavy hitters you know he, I mean he told us this we had a we had an exclusive interview with him he told us this and um, and then he just went up the owner and went oh, give us your and the owner's like, oh, sorry, because I give us a job. You know, I've got all these people, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort them out for you, and gonna, gonna get them interviews and get them a job. But I uh, give us a job. And the owner went, mm, okay then. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it literally was as simple as that. He just basically thought, you've got the same ethos. We work together. I'm not really into big names. It doesn't really bother me. You could do a job. So we basically gave him a job, even though he had no experience. We were just on the verge of the top six. I think it was in the in the first division, or probably even higher. And he put this, it was a really risky situation and he put him in and to be fair, he took the ball by the horns and we were great and well and fantastic and Brentford did really well. We, got, we went up, but um, the following year we went up and then we did better. We brought in some players, Andre Gray and all that lot. We were doing really well, but there was a little bit of a falling out, which I'm not going to go into the full details about, but a lot of it came down to, um, as you say, it's it's the system. It was a system that we have and I think, the, you know, where we were going, and where we wanted to go to is uh, I think the owner realised that we needed to have a system where it's about everybody's on the same page. And this is like, I'm not trying to disrespect Mark or anyone like that, but the fact is that, how can I put this? It was, um, uh, we, we, needed, we, we needed more players at the time because we feel yeah. that we weren't going in the right, because we weren't strong enough to get promotion. At the time, we were doing very well. We were in the top six. And we didn't feel that we were doing, you know, that we weren't strong enough. The owner, he didn't want to buy the players, but he was saying, this is what we need to do. And everyone seemed to be pulling in different directions at that time. You know, I think Mark Warburton probably wanted to do things his way. You know, the owner felt who's the owner. He's not he's not dictating, but he's just saying, look, this is this is where we need to go. We, we normally sit around and we talk about things where we're going to go. So there's a lot of things being pulled in in different ways. And um and in the end, the owner made a decision that he needed to have a system where I'm trying to put this where the 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 the, where the, the head coach was a head coach basically. Before yeah. then, the head coach was a manager, and he made lots of different decisions. So if he doesn't want a player or he doesn't want this and the other, it's fine. But in the end, the owner made a decision halfway through the season. He says, "I'm take I'm changing this role to a head coach's role, which means that." 
The manager hasn't got a veto on players. The manager can't turn around and knock players. You know, if we've got if we've got a cooperative here saying, you know, Jimmy, you put your two players in. Freddie, you put your two players in. Frank, you put your two players in. And you pull, put them in. And then out of that little veto, you know, you bring out one of them. It's cool, which you might think were the best. Well, you all sit down and talk about it. That is something that seems to work for them. But as soon as that fell down on its, its head and, and you've got one person saying no out of that whole story, Owner to turn around and said, actually, I can't be having that. And uh, that was what caused a lot of problems with Brentford's transitional period, where a lot of people said, you know, you sat Mark Auburn, which wasn't quite true. Basically, he changed the rules as to what the manager could do. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Completely. I think it's yeah. um, and it's 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 weird because I, I'm I'm always really interested, right? And and everyone who listens to, to this preview podcast will know that probably the most interesting thing that I like to know is is the outside opinion of something because I know we have a perception, but I think I'm even more interested um, from your perspective after speaking about what you just spoke about because you you actually support a team that that has a plan from the top downwards in terms of no matter which manager it is in terms of recruitment and everything we've just covered before now if I'm honest with you my club and I think everyone will agree with me here it's complete opposite like we have a chairman that doesn't actually care. Yeah. We have a we have a good manager, I think. Yeah. That, that's my opinion, and I think he's a, he is a good manager. Yeah, but I'm kind of curious as to, and and I know that at the end of the day, I, like I follow Sunderland, and I know a lot about Sunderland. Not always a great deal about sides outside of it. No more than the the, the basics. But I think Sunderland obviously do get in the news probably for all the wrong reasons. So I think I, I'd ask this yeah. question almost every week. But from an outside yeah. perspective, bearing in mind what we've just spoken about. What what's your thoughts yeah. on Sunderland as a club? Like, where do you think it's kind of gone wrong here for us? Well, I think it's, I'm very I'm very surprised with Sunderland. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm very dis- surprised and almost a little bit disappointed because. Uh, for a start, I actually love going up to the northeast. It's one of my favourite places to go. Uh, I know they're a separate side from you, but Middlesbrough is one of my, well one of our top three favourite away days. Preston and Middlesbrough, you can see how strange we are. You know what I'm saying? Um, Newcastle, fantastic no away day. I know you've got a rivalry <laughs> with them. And also, but you guys, everyone's really looking forward to coming up to you as an away day. So we're a little bit disappointed Lovely. with with Sunderland in the fact that, you know, where you are and potentially where you might be next season because everyone wants to go back there again next season because we don't think we're going up anywhere, you know. So, yes, the school. Just coming back to the thing what we're saying about with the, with, with, with the club and I talked about the Warburton thing, but just moving on, well, the difference is with Dean Smith now, what's what with the, with the what the owner did is because he changed the system to say this is the way we play. These are the people that I want to be here. If you don't want to be part of the system, then okay, that's fine. You can leave. Now what you do is he brings in people who fit into the system. So instead of bringing a head coach who will come in and change everything around, he'll say, this is what we do. This is the style of style of football. This is the way we play. And boom, and we'll sort it in. And that's what Dean Smith has done. Dean Smith says, yep, I can play with that style. I'll do that. I'm quite happy if you identify certain players, I'll still put my input in. So I'll, Romain Sawyers and Rico Henry. So what's happened is that you've got a everybody working together. But what, what I think I'm trying to sort of say to you is that it's taken about four or five years for that to happen, but for them to stick to the plan. So they started the plan in 2011. We're in 2018 now. Everyone who can be in person to the, the, the coaches, to the free kick coaches, to the head coach, everybody, they all know what it's all about. So it's almost like 
if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. It's not a problem. So people, everybody's part of the plan, part of the party. And coming back to the Sunderland thing, I think that's part of the problem because no one's organising your club from the bottom up. So what they do is that they pull in a manager and then they just expect them to work miracles. But then when he comes in, he realises, God, there's, there's quite a few more problems there than I ever thought. And then you've got the politics, you've got this, and you've probably got dressing room um, kind of, I'm bigger than you and all this kind of stuff that's going on and you can't drop players. You can drop players. He tries to do things and the crowds are disappearing. Then the owner's going, oh, no, the crowds are disappearing. We need to sort of do some more stuff to get them back. So you just need to get some more wins. And there's no real long-term plan. You know, they, you know, money's disappeared. It's, there's, there's so many problems and it's like, it needs somebody who's really logical to sit down and go, tell you something, this is the way we are going to fix it. We need to do X. We need to do Y. We need to maybe have a look at who, what this club has done over here and that club has done over there and not, not do what that club has done over there and we mimic it. And to be quite honest with you, it may take us three years or two years, you know, um, but that's what we have to do. You know, that this whole idea of, oh, yes, we need to get back to the Premier League tomorrow. It's like, well, yeah, everyone wants to be in the Premier In this league, you can see everyone wants to go in the Premier League. Look, Bristol City, you know, look how they're doing. You know, everyone laughed at them last season. Ah, Bristol City, oh, look, oh, look, there they are. So Bristol City are ahead of the game compared to Sunderland. They've got money, not a shed load of money, but they've got money. They've got organisation. Their scouting is quite good. They've got a young, jubbly, vibrant, quite funny manager. You know what I'm saying? So they're kind of ahead of the game. So you kind of got to have a look to see what else is going around you to say, tell you what we need to kind of pull ourselves back here a little bit and start planning from the bottom up, you know. And like I said to you, Sunderland, I, I, I like them to do well. And I actually thought it was a bit of a blip at the beginning of the season, you pull self around. But at the moment now, um, we're saying that we're playing Brentford on Saturday, we always seem to kickstart people's seasons. But other, <laughs> we but do other, that too. <laughs> but other than that, I, I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit worried to think, actually, tell you something, you know, you, you might actually be the team that actually saves Birmingham City, which is the team that we desperately want to go down because we've got massive rivalry <laughs> with them. I mean, with uh, you know the question that I asked there, I just saying I tend to ask it every week because I find it interesting. Um, but I think you nailed it. I honestly think of all the people I've spoken to, you, you've nailed it. I think I couldn't have put it better myself. I think there isn't a plan that it is a quick fix. It's sticky back plasters. It's Poyet to the Canio to well Steve Bruce, Martin O'Neill. And I got Coleman, but it's funny you mentioned before you said about Coleman. You said I, I mentioned his name, and he said good manager. I, I agree. Yeah. I think you know. I think what he's got at the moment is a, a bad football club, a rotten apple. I think everyone can see that, you know, in Sunderland and outside of it. But um, you mentioned obviously you said good, good manager, and you mentioned what you think Sunderland need. And I, I agree with you, like to a, to a T. I agree with everything you said. Do you think that Coleman is the right manager from an outside looking in? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, yes, but you, again, it's like, you know, sometimes it's square peg and round hole, you know, Chris Coleman be a, you know, probably a good manager for us, might be a good manager for, you know, a few Premier League sides, you know, so he's a good manager, but it, it, it really does depend on, you know, what happens in the next six months or eight months, how much time they give him, if he gets peed off, um, it depends on what the long-term plan is going to be. You know, um, it's interesting. He, he, I mean, he did, he was, he's a great manager with Fulham. He speaks to any Fulham fan. They, they speak very fondly of him. He, um, interestingly, he obviously did with Wales um, against adversity, as they say, you know what I'm saying? It's like they, 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 they punch, definitely punched against, uh, above their weight in the, 
in in the Euros and saying that they did have a world class player in their side who was the who was the difference between <laughs> one team and the next. And if he's out of the team, it makes them a, a very different team to what they were before. But saying that, you know, he still managed to pull in and got the team spirit going and everything like that, which is something that you cannot knock. Um, now this is possibly a different game with him because I, you know you've got players who have come down from the Premier League and they're down in Division One. And so you're, you know, probably quite similar to international football, what, you know, England or Brazil or Germany would be, you know, and uh, you're up there thinking, oh, you should be up there. But all of a sudden, you you know, like England, you're not as high as you should be. So how inside as opposed to Wales, who are, uh, uh, you know, lower ranked side in principle. But then you're able to go, you know, to go against the flow and say, tell you something, we can, we're world beaters, we'll beat everyone. And they just rise above all of that. So, you know, that's really, really we able to deal with a different, uh, a different, well, fish in the fish tank, I suppose it is, whatever you call it. Like you know what I'm saying, yeah. with, with Sunderland, because um, you know, you, you you are potentially, you know, you, you you've been in that Premier League for quite a while, and uh, you, I'm sure that there are players who have just got that attitude. There's that attitude, and you know, okay, they're they're down in the bottom division, and 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 I think there's a bit of a reality pill sort of taking place now. Tell you what it is, it it probably reminds me, but not quite as bad as, as when Leeds United came down um, yeah. a few seasons ago and then they end up coming down to when we were, because don't forget, we were never in the Championship. We were always in Division 1. And then they ended up coming down to Division even when they Even when they got down to Division 1, they couldn't quite believe they were in Division 1. They were just like, no, 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 we're too big for this. And then the first season, they were just getting bashed around all over the place. You know, we we went down there, we almost beat them when we went up there and they just couldn't believe it. And then when they came to Griffin Park, we drew nil all. And they were just kind of, everyone does that, teams like Brentford, and they say, we're getting, you know, we're getting humiliated by, by teams like Brentford, like, you know, and it was brilliant, yeah. brilliant feeling. But it was, um, you know, Sheffield United did the same thing as well. When they came down, they came down from the championship, then they came down to Division One, and they, they were, were a little six, bit yeah. like, yeah, yeah they, were, they were properly teams like Brentford, they were. And it took them about three seasons to kind of just basically just be more humble. And they eventually went up there and they're like, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we are like the rest of you now, you know. But it took them three seasons. They thought they were just too big for the league, too big for us. And I think there's that scenario where the, the when, when the reality pill really hits and everyone goes, okay, this is where we are at now, then maybe people will actually start to make a proper plan as to how they're going to move forward. Um, there's a, I do a bit of lecturing as well, I lecture market at university and there's this grief cycle, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we talk about, the, I, I, I'm in the music industry as well, and there's the grief cycle when there are, when, as you remember, when the, um, when the internet hit and there was, uh, and, and, and sorry, when the internet hit and, um, you know, the music industry, CDs also, was, oh no, there's peer-to-peer sharing and people are just, you know, borrowing yeah. records on the internet and stuff like that. And then there's the, the growth of mobile phones and everything just started to happen. It's called the perfect storm. Okay. Whole industry changed at once, but instead of the the, the, the music industry um, going, ah, oh, right, we'll deal with this. They just ignored it to a certain extent, then just tried to sue everybody for like you know <laughs> illegally downloading. It's like uh, you know, <laughs> you know, suing sort of like Jimmy, you know, in Huddersfield, like you know what I'm saying. It's just like <laughs> no, actually, you're not really dealing with this very well. So they went through a little cycle, and it's like this sort of grief cycle where it was kind of like you know there was anger and there was grief, and then you know, and then, and then you could deny <laughs> that's it. And exactly the same thing that happens with these football clubs um, where they're going through the same period. And eventually what you do is that when you've come through the bottom of that cycle, then you get to sort of like kind of negotiation and how will we move things forward? And I think that is where the football clubs need to get to. And that's where Sunderland needs to get to, to get to the next stage. 
Yeah, no, you know what? I, I, you, you've nailed it again. I think because um, that's how it feels as a fan. It still sometimes doesn't feel like we're in the championship, and it's not that I'm, you know, an, an ignorant or, or arrogant fan. And I, I never really felt like we were a Premiership club the way we performed. But there is an element of like I, I almost can't believe where we are in this league. Like yeah. it's almost like what we do in there. Why are we not winning more games than this? Because there was a big theory that well, oh, if we'll go down. At least we'll win more than five games, six games this season. At least we will win a game before August. And we're sitting here only on five wins, second bottom of the league. So nothing has really changed. It's almost like the attitude of the club and the atmosphere of the club hasn't actually changed much. But then on the flip side, you know, we're talking about Coleman. And again, Saturday was crazy for the first forty-five minutes. But pulling three goals back with twenty minutes to go is. That, that's character building. And I think that's definitely come from some of the younger boys who maybe are like actually excited to be in the team, such as Ethan Robson, Joel Asoro, uh, the young, young boys that are excited to be in the league. And they're not thinking about where they are. They don't have that cycle of, of grief, as you said. And almost, you know, Coleman, I think is the same. I think he's coming and understood almost the gravity of the situation. But I think he has a confidence and almost a, an air of arrogance about himself that he knows he can get himself out of it. But he's got a little, little dollar realism that he brought with him. Yeah, 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 and I, I and I hear that. I hear that as well. And um, but the fact is that you know, just coming back to it and the positivity, you you have actually got some decent players. You know what I'm saying? You haven't got you haven't got rubbish there. You've got some decent players. If you look at again what people have to do in the in the championship to survive, you look at what you know. Look at what Burton have to do. You know, I don't think they've paid more than what five hundred grand for any player in their squads. Like you know, they're still sticking their head above it. You know, Barnsley as well. They, you know, they, 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 I mean, I don't know what the highest fee they paid for someone, but I'm sure that they haven't paid any more than about one and a half million or two million pounds for a player. Um, so, you know, it is possible when you've got some half decent players in your squad, so you should be able to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, the, the one big surprise for me on Saturday, a player that's been annoying me for absolutely weeks, uh, Aidan McGeady, he came on with, I think, 25, 30 minutes to go. And obviously we've got the, the three goals in the last, in the last 20 or so minutes. And I think he was part of, you know, he was, part of at least two of them. Um, he gave the ball to Osoro, which led to the equaliser, the own goal. He got the second one, obviously. It was a good little free kick coming in. There, there is quality there. I think you, you, you're right. There is certainly to be doing better than what we're at. But I think, you know, we've discussed this at, at length with a few people, but I don't think any guest has kind of nailed it as well as you have in terms of, you know, an accurate short description of exactly what's gone wrong with the football club from, from as you said, the bottom upwards but there, there is always sort of two questions that I like to ask before I let any guest go. And and this this could be interesting because we're coming in the back of this game on a relatively positive, surprising performance from our perspective. And a lot of people stumble a little bit when I ask this question, but I will ask it. Is there anybody that you would take from the Sunderland side to go into the Brentford team? And I mean that in a, I suppose we've discussed certain players, certain attitudes that go into the team. So taking that thought, is there anyone you see in the Sunderland team that you think would fit in at Brentford? It's funny. I mean, it's, it's quite a difficult question because obviously you, you yeah. love your team, you love your players and you sort of think, OK, um, is it a case of oh, okay, just adding people indiscriminately or is it a case of adding somebody where you think that there might be a little bit of a a little bit of a weakness like you know um for 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 me i mean just if just forgetting about the positions at Brentford, the players, the one player who, and, and also forgetting the fact that we normally only sign players who are 21 or 22 or, you know, years old anyway, you know what I'm saying? But forgetting that, um, the player who caused us a few problems, not playing for you, but playing for Preston last season was Aidan McGeady. 
Mm. And he, um, we played them up there and he scored two absolutely fantastic goals. I think both of them from about 30 or 25 or 30 yards as well. And mm, they were, they were yeah, they're really good. And one of them actually just kind of got the ball. He kind of just ran through and he got through midfield and they just shot it from 25 yards. And it was a brilliant goal. And uh, they beat us. Um, last season, I can't remember the scores. I think it might have been 3-1 or 3-2 and it was quite upsetting. It wasn't, it wasn't upsetting because we had a laugh anyway at Preston. Uh, we got our revenge this year because we beat them 3-2, so it's fine. So, um, so yeah, so he's uh, he's one who, um, who, who, who for me, you know, if you want to put it on that, you sort of think, Aidy McGeady, he can, when the time's right, he could do it. Whether or not he'd fit into our side because, you know, you know, play for Ireland, you know, big, he's, you know, he's, he, he probably could be perceived as maybe a bit of a jolly big Bollocks to use that phrase. You know, what I'm saying? Yeah. you know, um, you know, you know, our players aren't on more than probably about ten grand a week, and he's probably, you know, he's probably on five times that. You know, so how would that fit into our scenario? That's a different scenario altogether. Um, um, Vaughan as well. James Vaughan was that? Is that the Huddersfield James Vaughan? Yeah, he's, he's, we sold him now. He's gone to Wigan. We sold him oh, for. Okay. He, he, he oh, didn't really say, work he, too well here. He was a yeah, I was, I was quite surprised actually when he got that move. Um, he was he was all right, you know. He was all right when he was there, but then he got that move, and I thought okay, that's interesting. He wound us up. And go, he had a brilliant game for Huddersfield a couple of seasons ago, actually against us when they beat us. Um, not last season, the season before, the season before that as well. He had a he had a brilliant game when they beat us. Um, and, but then we, we got our own back because we beat them five one the following season. But um, that was all good. But uh, it, it's difficult, Jack Rodwell. I mean, I've, I've seen your players play. You know. Only, only so much, and the, obviously the problem is that you, your defense is obviously not great. Yeah, you, you're not scoring. You're not. You, you're not scoring enough goals, and 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 your midfield. So so it's going to be down to your midfield, and we've got about sort of seventy five midfielders. So it's difficult for me to say I would like yeah. to replace your midfield of ours because we've got. We, we you know we, if anything we need to <laughs> offload some midfielders. Like you know we've just we just bought another one from Limerick in the in the in the close in the in this window as well. Um, Chidozi Ogbini, who's like maybe one of the hottest players in in the, in the Irish football league. Again, the places that we look at. So, yeah, he's come straight into our first team squad. He probably won't get in for this season because we're training him up. But um, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what we do. So uh, I've, I've gone for the Aidy McGeady, which might be a little bit obvious. But um, other than that, I, I, you know, I would have said Lewis Graham before you sold him because he yeah. always causes us problems. Always, always causes us problems, he does. Um, you know, after and I think it's the reason why is because we we let him go. He, he started he started off with oh, us, yeah. and uh, yeah, Brent, we let him, that's right. Yeah, we let him go. Man, is Andy Scott and Andy Scott got sacked, and we weren't sure whether or not we should um, take him or leave him. And apparently, his stats were quite good, but I don't know if the committee at the time who talked about it is. Uh, I think the stats side was saying mm, stats aren't too bad. Let's keep him. But I think the decision was that they didn't think he showed enough promise and they made a decision to make him go. Um, these things happen. Sometimes you get him right. Sometimes you get him wrong. He went to Rotherham with Andy Scott, who was our previous manager. And that's where he just he just took off from there. But, hey, you know, it doesn't doesn't always work out for you. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah. Are you down on Saturday for the game? Of course, of course. I, I did. I went all 49 games last season. So, uh, and this is this was this was what we call um, the BG, the big game of the season for Brentford fans. <laughs> uh, it was a. Uh, it's a bit disappointing because we would have actually we probably would have had more. I don't know how many tickets we sold. We would have had a lot more, but because it was on FA Cup fifth round day, and for some stupid oh, reason, God. we actually felt that we actually might get through to the fifth round, even though to 
even though to be fair, what my mate Gaz, who's coming up actually, he actually bought a train ticket immediately when they went on sale on the sort of 11th of November, knowing that we wouldn't be in the fifth round and neither would you do. So he's, he's coming up for about £25 return. Um, yeah, but we've, um, we held out and uh, <laughs> I mean, I was actually sitting there, we were playing Notts County in the cup and uh, we were one nil down and I think it was about 10 minutes ago and I was sitting there with the phone app booking my train tickets, like, you know, just <laughs> like, you know, had to be done. So yeah, we're up, we're all up, we're all, you know, a lot of us going up to Newcastle on the Friday night night a lot of people coming up on saturday and then they're staying overnight as well so yeah i don't i mean I, i've got no idea how many tickets we sold but um um i'd like to think we're going to bring 1500 um up there on, up there on saturdays you know like i said it's a long way and if you if you don't book it in time as you know that the prices are absolutely astronomical um but for any sunderland fan out there who's a london based or fancies going down to london after the game i have actually got a spare ticket from sunderland to london on the 529, which is going very, very cheap. Like we bought an extra ticket, and so we've got one ticket spare. So if everyone fancies the ticket, they can get in touch with me through Besotted, B-W-S-O-T-T-E-D, on our Twitter, or you can check out Besotted1992 at gmail.com. Just get hold of us, and uh, it's there. It's yours. Now, that is a that is an offer we've never had from a guest before. Um <laughs> I, I, I'm sure someone will take you up on that. We have a good, a good London, a good London fan base. So, before I let you go, I suppose worth asking: prediction for Saturday. Oh, I've been a little bit kind of more laid back in my predictions. I have always gone for Brentford wins because I can't go for anything else, and I'm feeling really, rather depressed. I might go for a draw. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying that um, we've 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 we've, we've, we've lost two. We, we lost against Derby County. We lost against Norwich at home um, we lost against Derby to be fair they, they did have um, we did have 10 men for most of the game and then we didn't win on Saturday against Preston um, we're creating chances still we're still trying to find our goal scorer but I think that we have to we got, we're going to have to win a game at some stage um, now and we're still good enough to do it and I think that Saturday it's going to be the day I think it's going to be 2-1 to Brentford because uh, we just struggle a little bit on the clean sheet front well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with my guest for once. I think I'm gonna go for a Sunderland win, and the reason for that, I've got to go into this a bit more positively. I I haven't seen Sunderland win since 2016 in the flesh, and it's not like I don't go often. And I go, I mean, I had a season ticket up until December. I've, I've kind of tailed off a little bit since then. And I think people know I took a bit of a rest, and I missed the two home games that we won, and we famously hadn't won at home in ages. And every away game I went to, we kind of got nicked one 0 or we just drew. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Sunderland two 0 You know what? I'm even gonna go for the clean sheet. And I hope I hope I'm right because I'd like to see us win. But um it's very rare I disagree. And normally I normally I'm quite depressed. And normally I say we'll get beat or we'll draw, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a win. And I think I think I owe that to myself. But uh thanks very, very much for coming on. It was oh. actually a really insightful chat, Billy. It really was because it's um I've spoke to whole fans this season, Ipswich fans, teams from every, every different level of management and ownership and idea of what they've gotten. I, I was really intrigued by Brentford's, uh, the statistical analysis they do, the management and the fact that they have that Swansea-esque style of football that never changes no matter who's in charge. And I, I really wanted to pick your brains on that. And I, I feel like I got a really good idea of it. Yeah, no, that's wicked. Yeah, well, you know, like I said to you, it's still work in progress for us. And, you know, the problem that we have, like I said to you, we've only got limited budgets and... Uh, the, th- the fact is, the interesting thing is that um, if we had more money, we wouldn't deviate from what we're doing. But instead of buying, you know, as we did with, uh, you know, um, with Khalil Malpe and uh, Ollie Watkins, who both cost about one and a half million pounds, um, rough diamonds, you know, and, you know, hopefully if they're good, then they'll end up becoming five, eight and 10, 12 million pounds. We'll end up buying three million pound players if we've got more money. 
or four million pound. You know what I'm saying? You just put the bar up and you put the quality level up, but you'll still find those players who are four million pounds, but um, hopefully they'll be 15 million and 18 million. So the ethos will always be the same. It just means that you'll actually have a little, you know, if you've got more money, we'll have a little bit more money to, to, to spend to try and find these unknown players and still buy them below the value of what they, you know, what they should be. Does that make sense? Of course, one hundred percent. I think it's, to have a plan sounds very weird to me as a Sunderland fan, but um, I'm, I'm, I still remember some kind of recruitment plan that we used to have once back in the day. So yeah, yeah. it still makes sense to me a bit. But yeah. um, just before we let you go, Billy, where can we find you? Remind us again on Twitter and and, on, and online. Well, you can find us. We we call Besotted. It's B E E. S-O-T-T-E-D dot com. So it's besotted as in Brentford Bees. Besotted dot com. On Twitter as well, it's besotted. Audio and audio boom as well. We've got a channel there, which is besotted, which we've got a podcast on Thursday. We'll do a podcast on Thursday, which no doubt we'll have a, a Sunderland fan on, which we'll be, we will, we'll be chatting to as well. So that'll be out on Thursday, our, uh, Thursday morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. And also after the match, about 7, maybe 7.30, we'll also have a post-match podcast. Uh, again, on besotted. If you go to besotted.com, all the links are on there. And we'll be talking to... Um, Sunderland fans and Brentford fans on that as well and also if you say if you want to find us I mean on Saturday of course we're coming up and we're going to be having some beers in Sunderland somewhere we don't quite know exactly where to go but some people outside and there's a few bars down there and you'll find you out so uh, if anyone's got any recommendations for us to have a good old drink up please let us know because we're absolutely potty for it well I'll, I'll be there on Saturday you've got my number I don't know if I'm the best at recommendations but I'll try my certain best and I'm sure if not the guys on Twitter will tell you where you can uh, have a, 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 good, a good sup Okay. a better word but, uh, all right um, okay. we will do we will be by the water apparently there's some waterfront there's some water and you know dockside or something like that some sort of docking area so uh yeah we'll be i'm sure we'll be over that side which is all good and i'll be mm-hmm. looking forward to meeting up with like dave and basically from the fsf the football sports federation which is based yeah. in thunder because I'm I'm, I'm 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 part of the fsf as well um awesome. the board of the fsf so i do I, i've got my activity so i do come up to sunderland a fair bit so i'll be looking up for meeting see dave and pete and michael and actually i might see sobsy as well and, and connor and all sorts of sunderland characters so i'm sort of quite excited about coming up you know just uh just meeting up with as many people as possible awesome it's nice to hear someone actually excited to be coming up it's good yeah. <laughs> you're putting positivity into me stop it right now um <laughs> but uh don't enjoy you weekend in terms of three o'clock or quarter to five um i really hope you don't i always leave the podcast saying that because i want to see us win but enjoy your weekend uh yeah. thanks so much for coming on billy and honestly um really great chatting to you really really lovely and and you too mate nice one thanks Good mate stuff. catch you that's the end of episode 12, 13. Uh, I don't know. I think it might be 11. I don't know, really. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm feeling much more positive. I don't know why, because I was, again, absolutely flabbergasted with Saturday, but I really feel the psychological change from that match on Saturday. I think, you know, 1-0 wins are great. Don't get me wrong. They give you more points. They give you a clean sheet. But coming back from 3-0 down with 20 minutes to go, I just, I've never seen a Sunderland side do that for a long time. I haven't seen a Sunderland side come back for a long time. And it was nice for once to see the senior players moulding with the younger players to bring that point back and to find that character. You know, you had McGeady, who had a really good game when he came on. And I've been very critical of him. And Lee Catamore, I've been very critical of as well. He wasn't brilliant in the first half, but he really did play a part in that comeback. And I think week on week on week, I'm just loving Joel Osoro. I never thought I ever would. I, I didn't think he was good enough two months ago. And I, 
I really think the guys coming on, I think Ethan Robson, when he came on as a substitute as well, did well. And it's nice to see, you know, maybe we had a stroke of luck with the young goals. Maybe we did, and that that's fine. We don't get a great deal of it. But the lads forced that issue and they showed real character to come back in that. And I think for the first time in a long time, I really felt that although no one got overjoyed or carried away with that 3-3 draw, we still remembered the first half. We all seemed together at the end of that. We all understood that that wasn't a, a relief, like sometimes the wins have been this season. It felt like a kind of like, right, this is the character we now have until the end of the season. And if we can continue that, and I, and I know it won't be plain sailing until the end of the season, we're good enough to stay up in this league. We're good enough to make an impact on this league. We're, we're good enough to win games at home and we're good enough to win games away because Bristol City are not a bad side. They're a bloody good side in this league. Um, maybe not fashionable, but they are a good team. And Brentford are very much the same but we're also a good team what we miss is character and I've seen plenty of that in abundance in the last 20 minutes I'm not saying it's going to change everything but it definitely did stoke me with a little bit of positivity and I really think going ahead if we can take that kind of character that we had we're not going to go wrong and we're going to stay up and we know if anyone can instill character into that team I think Chris Coleman's the man and he's started doing it yeah, there's some games when we, we've got hammered, but he's just all continued to say the right things. No one's turned their back on Chris Coleman yet. Maybe he needs to change the plan. Maybe he needs to go with four at the back. But I'm confident. I'm feeling positive. Um, I hope I feel as positive going into next week's podcast. But thanks for tuning in, as always. Uh, I thought Billy was a fantastic guest, probably my favourite so far. I thought he was brilliant. Really well-researched. Speaks a lot of sense. And it was really insightful to see how Brentford have really kind of turned from a, a low-level league team in Division 2, Division 3, to a solid championship outfit that's always there or thereabouts outside the playoffs. But catch us again next week. Hope I'm talking about a win. Hope you tune in. Thanks. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.